This is Dr. Jimmy Nichols, equine nutritionist. On this podcast, we will explore unique cases, debunk popular myths, and break down advanced research data. Join me for a little fun, a lot of science, and some real-world advice for feeding horses. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Jimmy. Welcome to episode 47. We are officially into a new year, which means babies are going to start hitting the ground any moment. And I know that there are a ton of mare owners out there that are anxiously awaiting the start of breeding season. So I thought that this was a pretty fitting time to address full nutrition for those of you that maybe are have some due dates that are coming up pretty soon. Um, and then I also actually wanted to address the concept of fetal programming for those of you who are planning to breed this year. So I think it makes the most sense probably to follow this process in order of how things actually happen in life. So let's say I have a mare that I'm planning to breed this year. I'm going to walk through the process of how I would feed her while she's pregnant and then kind of what I would change or what I would do to address the foal's needs um, after that foal is born. So if you have a pregnant mare or if you are considering breeding your mare this year, um, I want to take a moment and discuss a concept called fetal programming. So (laughs) I'm sure that that those of you who have heard that, I mean, if that's the first time hearing those words, I think, you know, fetal program kind of sounds like something that maybe belongs in a science lab rather than a breeding operation. But it's actually a concept that is pretty, um, I mean, it's incredibly important to the long-term health of those future foals. So most, most people don't realize this, but a developing fetus can actually adapt to external factors while they're in the mother's womb. And the crazy part is that those adaptations can actually have a lifelong effect on that baby. So research shows that the nutrition of a mother during pregnancy has a direct effect on her offspring later in life. So they've actually studied this both in animals and in humans. And what's interesting to me is that, I mean, I'm talking like life-altering conditions. So Things like impaired memory, hypertension, you know, reduced immune function. Those things may actually be created because of poor nutrition while in the womb. So let's take a minute to consider how, you know, acquired conditions like anxiety or impaired memory could actually affect um, the future of a foal. So think about it. If, If a horse in training has impaired cognitive function, Okay, that means they have a hard time comprehending things, right? Seems like, you know, they might, they they drew the short stick, you know, they basically those horses, if they've got impaired memory or impaired cognitive function, they may not be able to retain the things that we try to teach them. So training lessons that, you know, you give, or if you send your horse to a trainer, um, you know, whoever's trying to teach or train that horse might struggle. Okay. I know that I have definitely swung my leg over a few horses that certainly make you feel like you start over at square one every single day. And it's a terrible feeling. And, you know, on some of those horses, I have questioned to myself, you know, maybe they didn't get proper nutrition while they were in the mother's womb. Right. And if they didn't, then, you know, I mean, is that part of what has influenced this horse's mental capacity that they have now, you know, and then you think about it too, like those really good horses that you've sat on and and that you've ridden or trained, um, you know, it's like, man, did, did they get an edge because 
they had a really good nutrition program because their mother had a really good nutrition program that then influenced and gave them kind of that, that little edge. So definitely things to think about. So, you know, let's, let's think about futurity horses or really any horse that's asked to compete, especially those that are being asked to compete at a young age. Okay. So anxiety or I mean, complete mental breakdown in those horses is, is incredibly costly. And I mean, not only young horses or futurity horses, but in any horse, I mean, if, if you push a horse over that edge and they have that mental breakdown, that's really hard to come back from, right? That, I mean, that takes weeks and months and maybe even years a very conscious training and effort on someone's part to try to get that horse's mind back and get that horse put back together. Okay. So, I mean, if a horse breaks down mentally like that, I mean, you have invested a lot of time, money, training, whatever emotion to get that horse to that certain level of, of competition. And you know, what most people don't realize is that, you know, nutrition can actually play a role in that specifically, as we're talking about fetal programming, specifically the nutrition of the mother of that horse can actually have that big impact in that baby's life after birth. Okay. So an all too common practice in the horse world, <laughs> I see this over and over again, is someone will, um, they'll have the vet out, confirm pregnancy in the mare, and then they'll just kick that mare out to pasture. Or they'll just turn her in a back trap and they'll put a big round bale out there and they'll just put her on a hay-only diet for the next several months. They kind of forget about her, right? They just, you know, baby's in there, we're confirmed, let that baby bake, right? Give that mare all the hay she can eat and they kind of forget about her. Well, during that period of gestation, that, you know, when that mare's out, quote, being a horse, if you will, okay, the fetus can actually end up becoming or being in an undernutrition state, okay, if there is a lack of certain nutrients in that hay or in that diet. So I just want you guys to keep in mind that a hay-only diet will not provide proper trace mineral amounts to a pregnant mare, okay? So they need some kind of supplementation to get those minerals into them. Um, then of course there's the, the common practice of, you know, starting a mare on grain right before, or just shortly after she gives birth. Right. So, so you kick her out and people forget about her all the way up until it's about time for her to foal. Then they bring her in and start giving her grain. Okay. Well, what that does is that actually creates a mismatch between the prenatal and the postnatal environment for that fetus or for that foal. Okay. So when there's deprived nutrition during pregnancy, followed by adequate nutrition after birth, something happens in that foal called catch-up growth. And that catch-up growth can actually lead to things, to negative things for that foal. So stuff like glucose intolerance, obesity, and, lam and laminitis later in life, okay? So, you know, what you do with that foal's nutrition or what you do with that mare's nutrition um, can have a pretty profound impact on, on that foal, not only right now, right this moment, but what happens to him, you know, years down the road. So as horse owners, you know, I think it's really important that we take responsibility of the mare's nutrition program from the day, from the point of conception. All right. Day one.
We cannot continue to wait until the third trimester to provide proper nutrition to our mares. Okay. So it's important for the mare um, carrying her own baby. But then don't forget too that, you know, there are certain breed associations where artificial insemination is, is completely acceptable. So quarter horses, for instance, you know, we have to pay attention to the nutrition of that recipient mare. Okay. So that mare who's going to be acting as a surrogate mother for that foal, right? It's fairly easy to, to ensure, you know, I mean, when, when you're, you, when a mare is carrying her own baby, there's usually some kind of, um, emotional investment or there's, there just seems to be a little bit more care or attention, I guess, that goes towards those mares that are carrying their own baby. But unfortunately, a lot of times what I see is in, in recipient mares who are, who are acting as that surrogate mother, there's no, um, I don't, you know, no emotional connection to them. They're just a number, not, you know, (laughs) I mean, there's just, there's something there mentally, I think that, that horse owners don't connect with them as well. And so it's like, it's easier for them not to provide them the right nutrition, which seems silly because those recipient mares are carrying some pretty precious cargo. So don't forget that the nutrition of that recipient mare is as important, if not more important than the nutrition of that donor mare. Okay. So don't forget that you need to feed properly whoever's carrying the baby. Okay. Now it's fairly easy to make sure that you're feeding proper levels of energy and protein if you've got those mares on a, just a really good quality forage. But, um, you know, like I said earlier, a forage does not contain the right levels of trace minerals. And depending on the type of forage you're using, it may also not contain um, enough amino acids. Okay. So it takes a specially designed diet balancer or a feed to fill those nutritional gaps of the hay. Okay. So that that diet balancer or or that feed is going to make sure and fill those voids. Okay, so the amino acids, the minerals, the vitamins, um, make and make sure that those are, you know, all completely available to that fetus. Okay, from from the point of conception all the way to birth. So if I were breeding my mare this year, I would start right now and I would make sure that she is feeding a really good quality hay, or she's eating a good quality hay, and then I would feed either. 101 diet balancer, or if I need a little bit more calories and protein than what my hay could provide, then I'd get her going on like a fully fortified feed, such as intensified growth and development. And then another thing I would do, especially if I had a mare that had a history of poor uterine health, or if she's just been historically hard to breed, um, I'd get her going on a plasma supplement. Okay. So an oral plasma supplement like Lifeline Plus. So there's a really neat study published where they actually use mice as a model to determine the effectiveness of plasma for maintaining pregnancy. And the results were actually pretty profound. So plasma has such a positive impact on all of the mucous membranes within the body by reducing inflammation and modulating that immune response. So it makes sense that it would then have a positive impact in uterine health and ultimately help a mare maintain a healthy pregnancy, give her that better shot at at getting bred and then staying bred once, once she is. So, you know, I think a lot of people are probably sitting there going, okay, how much do you feed? And when, what's the schedule? You know, is it just a one certain amount the whole time through? Do you change it? And the answer to that is you change it. Okay. So there are, we kind of break mares up into trimesters a lot, like, like, um, women in, 
human pregnancies, right? So we're gonna call we're gonna call the first trimester actually months from the time they're bred all the way up until about five months of age. Okay. So yeah, I get it. It's not a try, it's not three months, right? But basically during that time period from from zero to five months of gestation, the nutrition in a mare, a pregnant mare, is going to be really similar to the nutrition in just a mature horse in maintenance. Okay. So you don't have to feed a lot. So let's say that I am feeding, let's say my mare is an 1100 pound mare and she's eating a good quality hay and she's eating at least one and a half. I'd probably, I'd push her closer to 2% of body weight in hay because I really like to make sure that hay is the foundation of the diet. So in that first five months, if I'm feeding growth and development, for example, um, I would probably only feed her about three pounds a day, three, maybe four. I mean, if let's, if I'm on a grass hay and you know, if she's not really maintaining weight very well, I might push her closer to that four pounds, but three pounds a day is, is going to be enough to meet those nutritional needs. Okay. That's, that's not a lot of feed. Again, I encourage you guys all go get a kitchen scale or go get a fish scale, go get something to make sure that you're weighing your food and, you know, don't feed by scoops, feed by pounds. Okay. <laughs> so feed tags are written with directions by pounds, not by scoops. Okay. So you guys should make sure you know how much your feed weighs and feed it by the number of pounds, not the number of scoops. <laughs> so that's my little side note. Um, okay. So then once that mare hits month six of gestation or of pregnancy, I bump that feeding rate up to five pounds, um, maybe six pounds. So there's there's wiggle room, of course, in all of this. But basically from month six to eight, I'm going to be feeding five to maybe six pounds of the growth and development. And then at nine months, I'm going to bump up again. So yeah, if I was feeding five pounds the prior, then I would bump up to six pounds. And in that time frame, you, you might get to the point where you, you need to bump all the way up to eight pounds. Um, especially in those mares who are maybe really small framed or have a really large baby because that baby is taking up a lot of room in the abdomen and that, that mare physically can't consume a lot of bulky forage or a lot of bulky hay. And so, you know, if she was eating 20 pounds of hay in her first five or six months of pregnancy, it's not always realistic to expect her to continue eating 20 pounds of hay when she's in that final month of pregnancy, just because there's there's just physically not a lot of room in her abdomen. So that's the reason then if she's not able to take in that much hay, if she has to reduce her, her hay intake, that means you have to help her make up for that by giving her that concentrated feed. And so that's why I've got my range a little bit wider there. So in months nine to 11, I'm probably going to be feeding between six to maybe up to eight pounds um, of the growth and development. And then once she foals, once that baby is born, um, she's in a phase called lactation. And lactation is the point of highest nutrient requirement of any horse. Okay. So the mare is that she, that is the point where if she's going to lose weight or get drawn down or sucked down, right. Those are kind of the terms that you hear people use. Oh, that baby's really drawn her down or that baby's sucking her down. Okay. It's because that mare is not only having to eat enough to sustain nutrition for herself, but she's also trying to sustain nutrition for that baby. Okay. So in the lactation phase, you may have to bump that mare up to 10 pounds for that first 30 days and then start to taper her back down to eight pounds and then down to six pounds, you know, of, of the growth and development as you move from that first month to that second month to that third month of lactation. So, 
you know, all of this is kind of a sliding scale. Um, you know, it, it's, it's unrealistic to say that, you know, I'm just going to go in and I'm going to feed a mare the exact same amount of feed from the time she's bred until the time that I wean that baby. I mean, if you do that, you're going to see some pretty serious fluctuations in that mare's body condition, right? So she's going to probably end up being a little bit overweight early in pregnancy, um, which can actually put her in a little bit more of a dangerous situation when it comes time for, for foaling. And then if you don't adjust and give her that increased nutrition need, that foal is really going to draw her down, really going to suck that nutrition out of her. And she's going to lose a lot of body condition really fast um, when she's providing milk to that baby. Now on the flip side, so let's say you have a mare that is that is really overweight or a really easy keeper and you just fit, like you cannot feed that horse grain or that much grain. Okay, don't don't feed her nothing, right? So you've you've got to remember that the whole point of the grain is to make sure that you are providing those trace minerals. Okay, so amino acids, trace minerals, and vitamins. So if you can't feed that volume of grain, if that provides too much energy or too many calories to that mare and she stays overweighted with those, cut those feeding rates in half and then use the diet balancer. So 101 diet balancer, you can be put on top of that and just do it at half the rate. Okay. So that gives you, so if you, if you cut the feeding rate in half and then you put the one-on-one diet balancer on top at half rate, that gets you to your full nutrition requirements. And, and so that that mare meets those, um, daily nutrition recommendations. Okay. And then for those of you who, who aren't aware, one-on-one diet balancer is actually the vitamin and mineral package that's built into the intensified growth and development. Okay. So it's the same nutrition package. It's just that one-on-one has that important nutrition without the extra calories and without the extra protein and energy. Okay. So it truly is just the bare bones of what you've got to get into that mare or into that foal to make sure that they have that, you know, best chance at developing properly. Now, another thing I want to note is we want to make sure that the mare's immune system is working properly because this is going to help improve the quality of the colostrum, which in turn is going to determine the level and quality of immunity that's acquired by that full after birth. Um, another, another thing I want to mention is just make sure that you guys work with your veterinarians while that, while your mare is pregnant, uh, in regard to, you know, timing of vaccinations, the deworming schedule, all of those kinds of things are going to help optimize that colostrum quality. Okay. So there, and then keep in mind too. So there are certain things like prebiotics and plasma that when you add those to a pregnant mare's diet, the research shows that those things too can help optimize the quality of that colostrum. So researchers have actually looked at mares that are being fed plasma, okay? So mares that are fed plasma actually have a better chance of maintaining their pregnancy to begin with, okay? So I talked about that research a little bit earlier. But then later on in the pregnancy, mares that have been fed plasma have less inflammation, okay? So there's a, a marker called TNF-alpha, and it's basically an inflammatory marker that they measured. And they found that these mares that that were on plasma had lower circulating levels of this inflammatory marker. Okay. So that, that means, um, a healthier environment basically. Okay. Healthier mare. And then the other thing that they found was at foaling, those mares also had higher IgG concentrations. Okay. So IgG stands for immunoglobulin G. And those are basically the antibodies that the body needs in order to fight off, you know, bacterias and viruses and, and any other kind of harmful invader. All right. So foals of mares fed, blas fed plasma 
also had lower inflammatory cytokines, okay? So I said earlier that those mares themselves had the had lower circulating inflammation. Well, the foals also had lower circulating inflammation if they were born from a mare that was on plasma, okay? So that means that these foals are basically less stressed at the time of foaling. And it also means that their immune system has the opportunity to function more efficiently, okay? Um, so I think, you know, people are probably wondering, you know, what is it about plasma that has that, that has this effect or what what is even in plasma that would benefit a horse? Well, plasma contains, it's basically, a, I mean, it's a very complex mixture, right? It's, it's basically got, we call them bioactive proteins or biologically active compounds, right? So it's all of these um, proteins within the body that are super concentrated down into just the serum component of, of the blood. All right. So I'm talking about things like immunoglobulins, glycoproteins, growth factors, you know, all kinds of physiological components that have beneficial effects within the body. Okay. So we call, we, I, I like to talk about this as functional nutrition, right? So I'm not talking about vitamin and mineral nutrition here. Now I've moved into a separate category where I'm talking about functional things. Okay. So helping, um, with the inflammatory response, helping improve that intestinal barrier function, you know, antibacterial properties, just this whole host of things that, um, are contained within serum or within plasma that can be a major benefit to a mare or to a foal. So bottom line, Lifeline Plus is the supplement that contains the plasma that I'm talking about. And you can feed that to your pregnant mare before and after foaling to help improve not only her health, but also help improve that foal's health. So my general recommendation is to start feeding Lifeline Plus 60 days before you're going to breed and then keep feeding it until at least 60 days after the mare foals. All right. So mare nutrition is incredibly important. I just, again, I want to drive home the fact that if you hope to have a sound and healthy foal, you have to start with proper feeding and management of the pregnant mare. Okay. So here's another thing. Foals actually must be born with an adequate supply of certain minerals. Okay. So copper, for instance, and the reason for this is because the mare's milk is not going to be able, it's not going to be capable of supplying enough copper or whatever mineral is in there. It's not going to supply enough to meet the needs of a rapidly growing foal. Okay. So the normal process is for the foal to draw upon its own body stores of certain nutrients for the first few weeks of life before um, it, and or until it begins taking an interest in, you know, consuming feed and forage that then will become the primary source of, of those critical nutrients. So the only way that the foal is going to be born with an adequate supply of those nutrients stored within its body is for the pregnant mare to be fed an adequate supply of those nutrients. And then she delivers those nutrients to the developing foal in utero, which will then be used to help build up an adequate nutrient store within that foal's body so that when he is born, he has a good solid set of those nutrient stores ready for him to pull from in those first few weeks of life. So let's talk, um, let's talk about the foal now himself. Okay. So ensuring that that foal receives adequate nutrition is, I mean, critical to long-term structural soundness and health. Okay. So again, it is vitally important that that pregnant broodmare be fed and managed correctly. 
so that the foal is born with enough nutrient stores in order to support the growth and the health that he needs during those first few weeks of life. Okay, there's so there's a lot of variation between foals in their relation to, you know, their age when they begin to really take a serious interest in consuming feed and forage. So some foals are actually going to begin consuming feed on a pretty regular basis within just the first week of life. But then there are other foals that are going to be a little bit older before they actually notice that anything else even exists around them besides their the mother's milk. On average, um, you know, foals are going to take a pretty noticeable step towards consuming forages or consuming a dry feed when they're around three weeks of age. And interestingly enough, three weeks is about how long it actually takes before the foal's body depletes itself of those critical nutrient stores that it had accumulated and stored up when it when that foal was in the mare's body. So the the timing, I guess, is is convenient. <laughs> it, it's interesting how all of this stuff works out so perfectly. Um, Foals from mares that don't produce much milk, um, they are often going to start eating dry feed before that three-week mark. Um, and then a lot of times, if you've got a mare who's a really good milk producer, like an above-average milk producer, a lot of times you might notice that her foals uh, don't take a whole lot of interest in consuming dry feed until after that three-week mark. Now, on that note, I want to make sure to point this out. It's those foals that it's, you know, so the foals that are born to the mares that produce a lot of milk. So those foals that don't really take an interest in consuming their dry feed that has all the important nutrients in it. If they're not starting to consume that feed at three weeks, I mean, if they're waiting until four weeks or later, um, a lot of times it's those foals that actually end up presenting with some developmental issues. Um, and the reason for that is that they're number one, they're, 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 uh, their mare is producing a lot of milk and the amount of milk that they receive from their dam is going to support the growth rate. So if, if they're getting a lot of milk from their mare, that's going to increase their rate of growth. And so because they are consuming so much milk, they are not going to show much interest in consuming that dry feed, which means that they are not going to be taking in the proper level of of those critical nutrients, right? Um, particularly those nutrients that are no longer going to be present in milk at, at the appropriate levels, okay? And it's those nutrients that are in that dry feed that we need them to eat, that they're not eating. Those are the nutrients that are, are so critical for that sound structural development. So, you know, all foals, but especially those faster growing foals, they need to be encouraged to begin eating feed that contains those minerals and those vitamins and those amino acids, because those are the things that are going to support that bone, ligament, tendon, muscle development, right? You know, I think a lot of people get confused and, and they think of feed as just, if I feed more feed, it's going to make my foal grow faster. Well, that's not, it all depends on what you're feeding. Now, if I've got a feed and it's just loaded with energy, loaded with calories, right? Of course, you know, if there's lots of starch and lots of sugar in there, lots of energy, then yeah, that's absolutely going to make that full grow faster. If you are just feeding a concentrated diet balancer per se, and there's not a lot of sugar, starch, calories in it, okay, if it's just providing your critical trace minerals, your amino acids, then no, that's not going to make your horse grow faster. But what that is going to do is it's going to make that full, uh, it's going to provide the nutrients that are needed for the growth that is occurring within that full, okay? So the biggest mistake that people make is they pull 
the nutrition out. They pull the feed because they think they want to try to slow the, gr- the growth rate. It's, it doesn't work like that, right? If, if you want to, to slow the growth rate, the best thing you can do is just provide a lower amount of the feed, but you have to put a diet balancer or you have to put some kind of a mineral program back on top. If you, because that horse is going to grow no matter what, you cannot take away their trace minerals and expect them to grow completely. Okay. Or to, to grow properly. Um, I I just, I I don't, I, I'm not saying this in a very eloquent way, (laughs) eloquent way. I understand that. Um, but it is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. Um, so, you know, what you feed is important. It's more important than how much you feed, right? So I would way rather someone feed, uh, you know, 200 grams of a very concentrated diet balancer than come in and feed three pounds or four pounds or five pounds of just straight oats, Right. So if you go in and feed five pounds or four pounds of straight oats to a mare or to a growing baby and you don't give any kind of nutritional support from from the aspect of trace minerals, uh, you are going to to really increase your chances of causing developmental problems within that horse because you've just pushed a lot of starch, a lot of sugar, a lot of energy into that horse, which does speed their growing rate up. But you have not complemented it with the trace minerals that are needed to support that growth. Okay. So I'm sorry. I feel like I'm not doing a good job of explaining this, but I'm, I'm going to move on. So, um, if you can get, so if you can get your foal to eat alongside of a mare, that is, um, perfectly acceptable as far as a way to, to get that foal to take in the level of fortified feed that you need. But if uh, there are some mares out there that just won't allow that foal to eat with her. And so if you've got a mare that maybe pushes the foal away, um, or just won't let that foal eat at all, you need to make sure that you take appropriate steps to, um, give that foal access to the feed that he needs to consume. So make sure that he's able to successfully eat the amount of dry feed that contains those critical nutrients, um, that to, to support his growth. Because if you feed enough feed for the mare and the foal in one pan and the mare eats it all, that does nothing for your foal. So just make sure that you're paying attention and make sure that you, your foals are eating the feed that you are intending to give to them. So another question that sometimes people will ask is how much do I feed? A good rule of thumb is that the foal should consume about one pound of feed per day to match how old they are in months. Okay. So in other words, um, if you've got a two month old foal every day, that foal should consume two pounds of dry feed. Okay. And so that's, now I'm not talking about diet balancers here, but I'm talking about, you know, a typical growth and development, you know, mare and foal type of a feed. Um, in general, those feeds are designed, um, to follow that rule of thumb pretty, pretty well. Um, now there are certainly going to be, um, some, you know, some deviations from that, but, you know, read your feed tag and, and you're probably not going to be too far off from that. Um, but then also don't get stuck on just being exactly what the feed tag says, pay attention to the horse's body condition. Okay. So you as the owner need to monitor that you need to make sure that that foal's not becoming too fat. Okay. So a body condition where the foal's ribs cannot be seen, but can be easily felt. That's a target body condition to maintain. Okay, so if you cannot feel or see ribs at all, that's an indication that that foal is getting too fleshy. Okay, that body condition is getting too high. Okay. 
Um, you want to make sure that, so if, if, as long as that foal has ribs that cannot be easily seen, but they can be easily felt, that's a good indication that that foal is getting enough energy, getting enough protein to support a growth rate that's appropriate for the foal and that they're not receiving excess amounts of energy. Okay. So it's, again, when you start giving them excess amounts of energy or excess amounts of calorie, that's when they become predisposed to developing those structural disorders. Okay, so the key points here are to monitor and regulate body condition and just make sure that that foal is receiving the proper intake of minerals, vitamins, and amino acids, okay, from the time that they're able to eat a dry feed all the way through weaning and all the way through their growing years. Okay, so typically um, growing years, you know, if you look at the NRC, which is the the um, nutrient requirements of horses. Okay, so that's the book that we look at to tell us exactly, specifically, you know, how much of each nutrient is required by a horse at each stage of his life. Okay, that basically classifies growing horses um, through two years of age. Okay, and so that generally is when um, it's thought that growth plates essentially are are closed, are done growing. Um, you know, I personally, I don't mind keeping a horse on a growth and development type of a feed all the way through their, their three-year-old year. And it's not so much for the bone growth, but I just, you know, horses still do a lot of physical maturing and a lot of growing, if you will, um, past 24 months of age, past their two-year-old year. And, you know, when you, when you think about how critical, amino acids and trace minerals are for things like tendons and ligaments and muscle, you know, I just can't help but think that by extending that more fortified feeding program through that three-year-old year, that we aren't giving those horses, you know, a little bit better edge. Um, so I'm pretty comfortable keeping my horses or horses that I consult for on a growth and development feed, um, all the way until through up till three years of age. So, um, you know, since the protein and energy needs for a growing horse are pretty high, um, it's usually best to utilize a feed or supplement that, you know, is specifically designed for growing horses. So I like to keep life simple. So I prefer to use the same feed for my growing horses as I use on my pregnant and lactating mares. So like I said earlier, intensify growth and development um, is definitely the feed that I would lean on. Um, it's, it's certainly my most favorite choice in this uh, type of situation. So I hope that this has provided you a little bit of insight or a little decent insight into what, you know, a nutrition program might look like for a breeding operation. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of hard for me to dive too deep in a 30 minute podcast. Um, and also I find it hard sometimes to communicate this just verbally. Some, I, I find myself wanting to, you know, pull up a chart or pull up graphs or open, you know, the NRC or <laughs> do all of these things to try to show you visually. And I get that I can't do that. So sometimes I have a hard time painting pictures with my words, but, um, at least hopefully this sets up kind of the main points of what a program like this would look like. And then just remember, I mean, if you need help lining out a nutrition program for your mares and your babies, uh, the, the team at Bluebonnet Feeds offers free virtual nutrition consults. Just go visit the website, bluebonnetfeeds.com, and then click on the resources tab. And before I head out, um, I just want to remind you all to post your favorite episodes on social media, please. And feel free to reference these in all of the nutrition or horse groups that you're a part of. And just be sure to hashtag feedroomchemist. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Feed Room Chemist. If you like what you hear, be sure to share with your friends, post to social media, or give us a review. And as Winston Churchill used to say, no hour of life is wasted that is spent in the saddle. So go saddle up.